Thank you for the invitation. It's a great honour to address you. Um, I'm speaking to you here from the city of Donetsk and in the background now, I can hear the familiar sounds of artillery fire, the blasts from the heroic air defences that are working so hard to keep the people safe, the blasts from incoming, often Western-supplied missiles, alerts from the menace of drones that strike fear into the residents here. Now, we hear those sounds because of the failure of the Minsk agreements. Those accords should have been the framework that brought peace to the region, an end to aggression and the suffering of the civilian population. It was very hard to sell those accords to the people here. They had to be persuaded to stay within a federated Ukraine with more autonomy, with the rights to speak Russian, for many their mother tongue, with the right to practice their language, their cultures and their traditions without fear. But they accepted it. They believed the guarantees that were offered by France and Germany, along with the Kiev government. But time has proved that they were wrong to do so. We now know that France and Germany had no intention of abiding by Minsk I or Minsk II. We heard this from the horses' mouths themselves. But the failure of Minsk is also your failure. Nations not united and a council that provides no security. This is how the people on the ground see you when I spoke to them, on which I'll expand later. As we know, before February 2022, there was a road to peace and a road to war. But unfortunately, many of the most powerful nations on the planet chose the latter. They brought war to some of the world's poorest people and in the most brutal way imaginable. Now, the conflict didn't start in 2022 for the people of Donbass. It started back in 2014, when the Ukrainian government launched airstrikes on its own people in Lugansk, when neo-Nazi militias patrolled and controlled the streets, killing at will and with impunity. The failure of Minsk has real-life consequences, with homes, hospitals and infrastructure destroyed, as thousands dead lie dead as a result and all of those deaths could have been avoided. But behind those statistics lie families, people who are loved, people with names like Lyudmila, Natasha, Victoria and Irina, killed in a terror attack in the Kievsky district of Donetsk just a few weeks ago. Ukrainian forces fired weapons, Western supplied weapons, into a busy marketplace. 27 people were massacred old men and old women selling homemade items at the side of the road, women baking bread. The first thing I saw when I arrived on the scene was a babushka sliced in half, her legs nowhere to be seen. Next to her, an elderly man lay with blood streaming from his head, staining the snow red. I heard the screams as relatives found their loved ones. Walking through the scene, I found a hand here, a foot there, a leg, a face torn off, the stench of death and a community in shock. And these people could have been your grandmothers, your mothers, your fathers, sons or daughters, killed on a Sunday morning, on a bright, clear day, the perfect sky for bombing. Now, of course, I expect the usual platitudes that Russia is responsible for the killing, 
that it is the aggressor. Stock answers, superficial, and an insult to the memory of the dead, and an insult to those living under the constant shelling of Western-supplied weapons. Now, the dead don't have a voice, but the living do. And they are not afraid of Vladimir Putin. They're not afraid of Russia, who they see as protecting them from a potential genocide, the same that you're failing to stop in Gaza. They are afraid of you, of the member states sitting around this table, who instead of talking about peace, about security, about an end to conflict, agree more money and more arms to Ukraine to rain down on their communities. And Ukraine constantly appeals to the West, saying it has no ammunition to fight with, that it needs weapons, aircraft, money and military support. Yet despite this, there seems to be a never-ending supply when it comes to attacks on civilians. Schrodinger's ammunition, if you like. Now, we used to speak about indiscriminate firing into residential areas, but in the space of a few weeks, we saw 27 people killed in a marketplace, 28 people killed in a bakery in Lysychansk, three people killed outside a busy supermarket next to the busiest thoroughfare in Donetsk, the scene of which me and my team came under fire from. We also saw an attempt to strike the Palace of Culture here in Donetsk when people were gathered there for an event with an emergency worker, Nikita Danilov, killed. These are deliberate acts of terror designed for maximum casualties and to break the will of the people. But these are not simply Ukrainian acts of terror. They are Western-sponsored war crimes, and they happen here on a daily basis. The arms that you supply are not used against the Russian armed forces. A marketplace is not a military base. A babushka selling homemade jam or homegrown fruit and vegetables is not a soldier. Last September, I attended the scene of attack in which an AGM-88 harm missile destroyed a home in a poor residential area close to the Kalmius River. It could have been very much worse as a gas pipeline caught fire, the consequences of which are unimaginable. Now, I found the remnants of the missile used in that attack. Now, these are missiles that are usually used to take out air defences or the like. And it was made in the United States with an expiry date of the 31st of March, 1991. Out of date stock being rushed to the front line. Now, this was just a week after the exact same missile, the AGM-88 Harm, crashed into a babushka's living room on the ninth floor of an apartment block. She was killed as her daughter and her granddaughter slept in a room next door. Among the blood in the rubble, I saw a children's tiara, dress-up shoes and a colouring book. And the impact on children cannot be understated. 230 killed and 846 wounded since the conflict began. I met one of them, 12-year-old Volodya. I attended the scene of an attack on his home in Donetsk. A Western-supplied artillery shell crashed into his bedroom as he slept. There was blood everywhere. His leg was torn off and doctors battled successfully to save his life. I asked him later in hospital what he wanted. Peace, he said. Children have the same hopes and dreams here as those in every country across the world. But the children of Donetsk are having those hopes shattered, their dreams stolen by NATO, by the West, and the failures of the UN Security Council. Cluster munitions have also now become a familiar sound in these areas. 
Just days after the US authorised their use, they claimed their first civilian victim, journalist Rostislav Zhirovlev. He was killed as his car was struck, ironically, as he was part of a group of journalists that had been reporting on the use of cluster munitions on civilian areas in Zaporozhye. Condemned by UNESCO and the International Federation of Journalists, who called for an independent probe, his death was celebrated by the National Union of Journalists of Ukraine, who welcomed the demise of a Kremlin propagandist. Another war crime unpunished. I attended the home of a babushka, wounded when a cluster munition ploughed into her kitchen as she prepared a meal. The remnants were scattered across the local area, including a children's playground. One eyewitness to the attack said that she had recently moved into the area, believing it was safe. Her previous uh, four homes have been destroyed in a Ukrainian attack. Last year, the peace of a Monday morning was shattered by a HIMARS attack in Donetsk City, striking a passenger bus during rush hour, destroying civilian homes. As we heard most recently, the killing of 28 people in a bakery in Lysychansk in the Lugansk Republic in the early afternoon, with scores buried under the rubble, a child and a pregnant woman among the dead. Internationally banned petal mines litter the streets and continue to maim and wound civilians. Shops display adverts warning people to remain vigilant and people are, are advised not to walk on the grass. On the grass. Drones are now more of a menace as well. 97 were shot down over Donetsk City and Makievka in just three days. And in January alone, 966 drones were taken down over Donetsk, Makievka and Gorlovka, with 200 attacks prevented. Many are supplied through crowdsourcing platforms, such as Fundraiser, who, despite being alerted to the fact that they are used against civilians, continue to facilitate the purchase of these killer drones. One British mercenary with links to intelligence services even boasts about the UAV attacks and is proud to have supplied them. And he has killed Russians directly and indirectly, whilst also threatening to kill Vladimir Putin. Yet he is allowed to move in and out of Britain freely. Much of the community here in Donetsk lives without hot water, with water only supplied on certain days and constant electricity blackouts because Ukraine targets the city's infrastructure, power stations and water supply, all of which constitute war crimes. After the marketplace massacre, I went back to the scene and I asked people what they thought of the United Nations Security Council. They said to me, where are they? Why don't they come here? They are just tools of the United States. They don't care. Our lives don't matter to them. It is their weapons that are killing us and killing our children. What happened there is a war crime and an act of terror, just one of many that stretched back over a decade, unreported and carried out with impunity. The people describe living here as Donetsk roulette, not knowing whether they're going to live or they're going to die. But they've had enough. They just want it to stop. You have the ability to make it happen. You can put this to an end. Use the anniversary of Minsk to set out a path to end the conflict, end the cycle of terror, the deaths of thousands upon thousands of people. Every weapon supplied by the countries sitting around this table takes us a step further away from peace 
in a conflict that Ukraine simply cannot win. You owe it to Lyubmila, Victoria, Irina, Natasha, Rostislav, Volodya, and the thousands that have been killed here with Western-supplied weapons. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Proletarian Radio. We aim to bring you the best Marxist analysis on current affairs, revolutionary history, and theory. Do like, comment, subscribe, and share our content to help us reach the widest possible audience. We are a small organization with limited resources, and we need workers' support if we are to grow and fulfill our mission. If you are able to make a one-off or regular donation, no matter how small, please visit our website at thecommunists.org and register as a supporter.